Talofalava, Awaune, O Koroi Hawkins, Usimaya Lehofa, Fofonga Ile Pacific Waves, RNZ Pacifica. Coming up, our report documents instances of companies that are making payments to landowner groups. Canberra's urge to keep tabs on Australian mining interests in Bougainville. You can see the overwhelmed feeling uh, of people who participated, the villages, just being a part of it. Samoa celebrates 60 years of independence. We have shared some beautiful, deep and rich, resonating stories. And Auckland Museum lights up for Samoa Language Week. With mining about to return to Bougainville, there is a call for Canberra to ensure companies involved are doing so ethically. The advocacy group Jubilee Australia says as many as six companies, mostly Australian, are eyeing operations in the autonomous Papua New Guinea region. In a paper out today, Jubilee lays out steps that should be taken to avoid another disastrous mining operation such as happened at Panguna. Spokesperson Fife Strawn told on Wiseman about the rush to get involved that is detailed in their report called the Scramble for Resources, the International Race for Bougainville's Mineral Wealth. There's two particular issues that we look at. One of them is around companies potentially exacerbating tension between landowners. So our report documents instances of companies that are making payments to landowner groups um, that are competing in the Panguna area and raises concerns that that could be potentially giving rise to a conflict of interest for those landowners and undermining community rights to free prior and informed consent. The second issue that we raise concerns about is around advice prepared for the Bougainvillian government. So we've seen two leaked presentations, one prepared by a company and one prepared by individuals associated with a company, both advising the Bougainvillian government in 2019 to give mining rights to an offshore company in the British Virgin Islands. And we've obviously got concerns about what is appropriate corporate political engagement in that situation and potential risks for Bougainville and the people of Bougainville from that kind of advice. Okay. Well, generally, Australia, of course, is very much environmentally conscious as an organisation, isn't it? That would be fair to say. Yes. So uh, ideally, you don't want to see any mining at all, do you? Well, actually, the decision whether to open Panguna or to reopen any other kind of mining in Bougainville is a decision for the people of Bougainville and for the government of Bougainville. And, and we're very clear on that. I guess what we'd say is the Panguna mine, when it was operating, obviously caused widespread, significant environmental damage. And it's really important, and I'm sure it's it's front of mind um, for the Bougainvillean government and people, that the mistakes of the past, that the um, environmental devastation of that kind of mining not be repeated. So we're not coming here and saying Bougainville shouldn't reopen Panguna, that's definitely a decision for the Bougainvillean government. But if they are going to consider reopening the mine, thinking about ensuring that there is that free prior and informed consent from the community, there is really strong environmental provisions put in place in advance and a really good understanding of that is critically important. The current government has quite recently announced that it has reached agreement with landowners at Panguna for a, a joint operation there that would essentially, I'm suggesting anyway, that landowners would have a very big say in that. Do you think that's enough? 
I think it's been great to see the process that's been happening with a staged consultation process between the Bougainvillean government and landowners in Panguna. And we are aware that that's a process that's been going on for some time and is still a very much an ongoing process. So I don't think we're going to be seeing the Panguna mine reopening overnight. I think it is a great step to see landowners front and centre in those discussions. And the recent announcement that you've referred to, Don, that came out saying that any reopening of Panguna will be an endeavour with landowners in the driving seat. That's a really important and key thing, yeah. Ideally, of course, the hope would be that any mining operation was fully controlled by Bougainville and Bougainvillian interests. But because of the costs involved, they're going to have to seek vast amounts of money overseas, aren't they? There's no alternative to the equivalent of these various companies that have been lining up. Yeah, that's right. Any reopening of Panguna in particular or a large-scale mining operation would require presumably capital coming from overseas in some way, whether that's in the form of investors or of a developer company. And I think that's obviously front of mind for a number of the companies that are seeking the opportunity to mine in Bougainville at the moment. But having a process starting with dialogue and wide community consultation with the Panguna landowners is definitely a really important first step. Yes, you've got very specific recommendations for the autonomous Bougainville government. We really think that it's important, while it is a decision for the ABG whether or not to reopen Panguna, it's important to undertake due diligence on any corporate partners that are seeking mining and exploration licences. We also think it's important to support landowner groups within Panguna to obtain independent advice so that they can ensure that their rights and that their environment will be protected and be independently supported. And we also think that any plans for reopening Panguna need to be based on a detailed independent analysis of the potential costs and environmental impacts. These various companies you talked about, they have Australian connections, even if in some cases they're registered in other places like Belize and so on. (laughs) But you've got very key requirements that you think the Australian government should be placing on companies that want to get involved in developments in developing countries? Most of the companies, not not all of them, but most of the companies covered in our report do have a connection to Australia and some of them are listed on the ASX. Others are, as you say, based in offshore jurisdictions but headquartered in Australia. We think that the Australian government needs to do more to address the risks where Australian companies are operating overseas, particularly in post-conflict situations like Bougainville. One thing we'd really like to see is the government establishing a mandatory human rights due diligence mechanisms So that would be a mechanism that really requires Australian businesses to consider the impacts, the human rights impacts of their work overseas, to mitigate those impacts and to address any human rights breaches if they occur. And we also want to see Corporations Act and other corporate regulations imposing clear responsibilities on companies to avoid causing economic, social, human rights and environmental harm overseas. And one last thing we'd just love to see is better transparency. As a simple practical thing, preparing this report, we spent hundreds of dollars on company searches just to find out who owns some of these companies or where they're headquartered and be able to do that corporate research. And that's clearly not something that's available to people living in a community in Papua New Guinea or Bougainville or elsewhere in the Pacific. So we'd really like to see a beneficial ownership register and better corporate transparency in general from Australia. (music) 
Samoans kicked off their 60th independence anniversary celebrations in style with bell ringing, tooting of car horns and even the triggering of the national tsunami warning sirens at midnight on Tuesday. Wednesday the 1st of June is the official Independence Day, but this year the Prime Minister, Naomi Matafa, has declared it will be a year-long celebration taking place all around the country. Joining me is our Samoa correspondent, Joyeta Feangai Mali. Tamafalava, Joyeta, so quite a dramatic start to celebrations this year. Yes, at 12 midnight, um, church bells, and we also have bells in the villages uh, for the curfews. It rang for almost half an hour, 20 to 30 minutes, as well as the National Emergency Siren System, which um, was activated for over 10 minutes throughout the country. And, you know, just viewing on the the live footages from the media, as well as members of the public participating, you know, you can see the overwhelmed uh, feeling uh, of people who participated, the villages, everyone was up, um, drinking coffee, you know, being just being a part of it um, was amazing. Yeah, so, a very you, proud moment. Yes, yes. 60 years of independence, wow, for the Samoan people. And um, tell us a bit about the events. I understand um, this is going to be a lengthy celebration of the 60th anniversary. Prime Minister Pemeh announced Last month, it will be a year-long celebration um, from June 1st all the way to the 31st of May next year. Um, it's a new initiative. And, you know, it's a blend of government-hosted and community-led programs throughout the whole year. Um, they have not released the calendar of events, but they will. However, the Prime Minister extended an open invitation to communities and organizations that want to be included in the programs and the events, as well as, you know, this is the first time that the celebration will be taken in the villages and the districts. Um, that's something that the Prime Minister announced. And, you know, villages are now gearing up um, to, to see what the government um, is expecting from them. But um, as the Prime Minister said, that it will be up to the villages how they want to participate, what kind of program they they have in place to celebrate the year-long uh, celebration. But it started with a Thanksgiving service that was held on Wednesday. You know, there was a morning service, and, you know, it all started from that. And today, this this morning, you know, Samoa's first female prime minister raised the flag. She is also the first females, first woman, rather, to raise the flag. And that's something that should be uh, recognized, you know, as a woman. It was a proud moment. Um, Even people in American Samoa that tuned in, they were so happy about it. Um, Saw the comments um, and, you know, views from members of the public. It was a proud moment for Samoa to see that for the first time. Yeah, some uh, stunning imagery you're painting a picture of there. Um, also, one thing we do have on the calendar is, is sort of a return to full strength of the, the Tewila Festival this year. Yes, uh, Cabinet approved that all uh, cultural entertainments and other events planned for the 60th Independence Celebrations uh, will be held in September, together with the commemoration of the Tewila Festival. And you're right, it's back to full strength. There was 
nothing significant in the last uh, few years. But this year, it's back to full strength. And the Prime Minister has um, extended the invitation to the Samoans uh, re- residing across the world to come visit the home island and be part of the festivities in September. Man, that, so, is, that sounds like if you were planning a trip, <laughs> sounds like the time to do it, right? Yes. You know, the Samoans out there, you know, um, 60 years. And this is quite a unique celebration mode, I guess, for Samoa. You know, to have a year-long celebration and the revival or back to the full strength of the Tewila Festival, you know, now is the time to come to Samoa to visit your family and be part of the festivities. Now, as well as Samoan Independence Day, it is also Samoan Language Week in Aotearoa, New Zealand this week, and there are lots of events and activities taking place to celebrate the language and culture around the country. Joining me to talk about some of the Samoan Taonga stories and experiences they're offering this week is Olivia Tauma, Teo Leva Manager at Tamaki Paingahira Auckland War Memorial Museum. Talofalava, Olivia, please feel free to formally introduce yourself. Fafitai. Um, and uh, obviously, if you haven't picked it up by now, Samoan Language Week uh, this week, uh, some exciting things happening uh, at, the, at the museum. If you want to walk us through some of the, the things that you guys are doing for Samoan Language Week. Um, in the museum, we place value uh, by giving focus and priority to our Pacific voices, our Taonga, and um, our hidden histories. And part of the hidden histories is us sharing with our community some of the stories. So online, if you go, if you Google Auckland Museum Samoa Language Week, very simple, you'll come up to a page where we have shared some beautiful, deep and rich, resonating stories from some of our people, our staff. Um, I'm in there. Um, there is Tale Tuinukuafe. There's Leonie Samutu and Ruby Satele who talk about their roles and, and what they do in the museum. And we also talk about um, Olesuru Samoa, which is a beautiful um, periodical in the Pacific. It's the oldest, longest running periodical since 1839, and it's in Samoan. Um, and so it's quite significant and very special. And it's an honor for us to hold that Miasina and share it with you all. Sulu meaning torch or light, like enlightenment. And so there's lots of beautiful stories in there written by our Samoan people in Samoan. We also have um, a natural science. We share one of our very rare Samoan shells, the virioli, Viriola Samoana, special to Samoa. And we also have um, a blog about the Ole Manumea Samoa, which is the Manumea is our national bird. And not many people know much about bird, and that's relation to the, the dodo, which is now extinct. 
and um, it's very special and unique to Samoa. It's no, found nowhere else in the world. So it's very special. So we have a, we write and talk about that because we have a specimen in the museum that we take care of and look after. Um, we also have a, um, a beautiful piece written about um, the construction of a tuwinga. So the tuwinga is very special, uh, as many people would have seen when you see a taolonga, one of our, our, our sivas, um, you'll often see the person of um, honour in a tuwinga, which is the headdress, ceremony headdress. And uh, we have uh, very luckily and privileged to have Tale Tuinuko Afe, who is our collections manager Pacific, trying to get all her titles. Uh, and she has done her master's thesis on this, the Tuinga, and is in the middle of working on her PhD on it as well. And she talks about the construction and the importance of the different parts. We also have um, a beautiful piece written by our Pacific Advisory Youth Representative, so a young voice. Pamata uh, Toliafoa, who uh, is a maker, to wing a maker. And so he talks from the making creative part of the lave, which is his favorite part, which are the three, um, you will see the high end sticks that come up here. And he talks about their importance of connecting us from the ground to the heavens. And that's how we connect through those. Um, parts of the Tuwinga and how he as a creative um, really learns a lot from our elders and our history and our culture and identity through through his his creative work which is beautiful you know yes. and um, you, the you other also part said is, something about um, Ekonga I hope I'm saying that rightly that yes the Ekonga is the last part it's very special um it's a very special, significant miasina that we hold. We're the caretakers. We're not the experts, but um, this was donated in 1932 to the museum by uh, Major General George Richardson, who used to be the administrator, New Zealand administrator, up until 1928 of Samoa. So when he um, retired or finished his position, 27 Samoan Faipule. Um, who are the legislation body of district representatives. So they, they represent the 27 districts of Samoa at that time in 1928. And on the Iekonga, they all signed this in recognition of this critical moment of time. And I say the critical moment of time because we had already um, had uh, quite a history of trauma and challenges with the New Zealand administration. And celebrations and we're leading towards our independence which is what we are celebrating today 60 years and um, as I was saying to you earlier our mats uh, often tell our history and this uh, Iekonga is a very important map because it's the only one that has the 27 signatures of these people that were fighting for Samoa as the Faipule, as the representatives and they were often high chiefs speaking on behalf of their districts to try and work with the New Zealand administration to hold on to our culture and hold on to our ways of life. And I think they did a stunning job because that led into the Mao movement and led into our independence. And so it's quite a historical piece that we are sharing with people. We are having it, uh, it's digitalized and you can read about that story and Tale talks a lot about it and the history of it. 
and um, people have requested to come in and actually see it in person as well. Um, we're very privileged to have it in our collections. Awesome. And I'll just ask you to uh, let people know again where they can go online to have a look and, and get involved with, with all of this. So you can Google Auckland Museum Samoa Language Week. Very simple. And it'll come up before the story. Scroll down. There's so much to read. There's so much to digest and look at. We also share some simple language resources. And we also will be lighting up the museum, which is exciting. Um, and the Samoan, uh, we already have, and we'll be doing it for the rest of the week in the Samoan flag colours. So you can go down at night and have a photo in front of the museum with your family or by yourself. And it's quite stunning when you see it lit up in, in our Samoan colours. Awesome. And and speaking of language, we'll end on, uh, you. can you help us out with some um, simple phrases that uh, anyone wanting to practice Samoan this week can try out? Okay, so talo falava, which is hello or greeting. And we have um, tofa, tofa soifua, which is goodbye. Um, how are you? Wa mayoi. Wa mayoi. And you reply, ia manuia faafitai. Oh, I like that one. I'll try. Yeah. Can I try that one? Uh, uh, yeah, so you try the, that how, one. The, how are you again? I'll, I'll say it to you and you can reply. Oh, I'll have, to, I'll have to get you to repeat it for me first again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oa mayoi. Oa mayoi. That's how are you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the reply and you is. You can say, ia manuia faafitai. Cool. Okay. Very good. I'm very well. So you, you replied, I'm very well. Thank you. Oh, awesome. And I think the last one was, we were going to go with is, uh, was it goodbye or farewell? Um, but the last one, often sometimes we say um, tofa, tofa, soifua. Um, but we also often will say faafitai tele lava, which means thank you very much. And so you say faafitai tele lava, tofa, soifua. Nice, I like it. Yeah, so on that note, fafetai tele lava to fasifua. To fasifua, fafetai fafetai tele lava. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us from Apple, iHeartRadio or Spotify. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. To fasifua.